This is the second part of Miss Doggoggle's Halloween relaunch party. For the full experience, please be sure to listen to the episode titled Halloween Relaunch Party Part 1 before continuing. Before we proceed with the spooky festivities, I'd like to emphasize that this will be a very scary episode, which will include the retelling of personal accounts of events, which could be too scary for some listeners, especially younger folks or anyone with an overactive imagination, like myself, like I probably shouldn't be listening to this episode, but it's too late for me, so save yourselves. We will also be referring to subject matter of a sensitive nature, including suicide, violence, murder, demonic possession, abduction, cult psychology, voyeurism, and disturbing otherworldly entities. So please take care of yourself and only listen to the rest of this episode if or when you are fully prepared for that kind of experience. If you or someone you know is experiencing suicidal ideation, please visit suicidepreventionlifeline.org or translifeline.org, both linked in the show notes. Call or chat with someone there or learn about ways to help yourself and others. You have value in the world and you don't have to be alone. Are we segueing into a like current things now? Okay, we cool. Are now. Yes. So something that you know startles me as an adult is when, you know, you catch vibes and depending on one's sensitivity, catching just the creepy vibes could be anything from like, oh, I have goosebumps, something like uncomfortable is here, or having the like clarity of vision of knowing exactly what happened because wherever. you never know but sometimes you never know, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> one example was uh, a friend of mine was living in old city section of philadelphia and so those houses you know were built at the birth of the country and I, when I visited, there was something about the stairwell. I was like, nope, don't like that at all, and would run up the stairs into my friend's apartment. And when I was house-sitting at some point, I went down to do laundry in the basement, and I realized that this one corner of the basement is exactly, like, above it is where the spot in the stairwell that I absolutely must avoid is. So, in that spot, I realized, like, this is the the epicenter of all of the uncomfortable sensations I'm getting here and I will not be doing laundry this week and a witch friend of mine came over one time and and came down into the basement with me and they informed me you know that this is where enslaved people had been tortured brutally and Mm -hmm. like of course because this is America right? and it's a basement of a very old home So, I mean, while I could have done without that clarifying knowledge (laughs) of what had happened, you know, catching those vibes, it's just, it's, it's something, you know, like most recently I learned that the Appalachian Trail is a five minute drive from my house and there's this mountaintop that, uh, you know, you can hike to. It is gorgeous. It is peaceful, but there is a spot along those, that trail where I was not welcome. You know, like I knew it. I don't know what the details are, but I know they didn't want me there until, of course, I like apologized and expressed my intentions and was like, I just need the nature. Just like you guys, please help me. Just let me be here. I just need the nature. 
Um, so now it's fine. But that initial vibe was like, get the hell out of here. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How does one respond to that? Right? I mean, I think you responded in the right way. Yeah. I think humility is really the only option. It's like that or just book it out of there <laughs> and never yeah. come yeah. back. <laughs> yes. So your story <laughs> reminds me of something that I am admittedly afraid of, even as an adult. the rake who makes me wonder if I ever in my life can go camping or sleep like a normal human ever again after doing some more research for this episode because if you're like me and you occasionally get sucked into the paranormal encrypted sightings rabbit hole on (laughs) YouTube then you've probably run into the rake before It's usually in a shaky video clip where someone just happened to have their cell phone out recording as they looked around for something in the woods at night, or (laughs) dared to explore a dark tunnel or a sewer or a cave, and at some point, a horrifying pale humanoid face appears. Its eye sockets are somehow both hollow and incandescent at the same time and much to my dismay after further research (laughs) there are even (laughs) plenty of videos supposedly of this thing in broad daylight even interacting with people's pets no no i believe there is an independent youtube horror series about it and i know there's also another movie that looks like really not not really very interesting but the rake itself seems to have originated as creepypasta nightmare fodder (laughs) for some further background on the rake in case you know anyone needs it which (laughs) they probably don't but this is the halloween episode i don't know why i did this to myself Um, I'm just going to go ahead and read the following creepypasta summary to you. Mostly associated with the image of a bald, pale-skinned creature hunched at an angle with bright orb-like eyes staring into the camera, the rake has become a staple creepypasta monster adopted (laughs) by many authors as shorthand for a creature resembling the one depicted in the photo and placed in various settings. So the photo that they have up is this like trail cam shot of this thing, and it's terrible. During the summer of 2003, events in the northeastern United States involving a strange human-like creature sparked brief local media interest before an apparent blackout was enacted. Little or no information was left intact, as most online and written accounts of the creature were mysteriously destroyed. Primarily focused in rural New York, self-proclaimed witnesses told stories of their encounters with a creature of unknown origin. And a lot of the creepypasta accounts 
Some of them claim to date back hundreds of years, and they're written in the form of these really unsettling journal entries or suicide letters even, as well as some modern accounts of this thing like showing up in a person's house and going after their children or sitting in their bedroom and staring at them night after night. Oh, and it also has <laughs> sharp claws on both of its hands for slicing human flesh, of course. And of course, it usually makes a horrible screeching sound. Whenever someone seems to have noticed it, there are also mm. stories in which it does actually speak to people, but I think that's possibly telepathically, and it's usually telling them, according to like some of the old journal entries and things, to leave and never come back, or it's telling them something that later makes them describe with their dying breaths, like, he is the rake. Hmm. which is great <laughs> so um, of course i'm a genius and i'm gonna google what this looks like oh right God. now and to no freaking thank you yeah no <laughs> so Wait, absolutely no, not now, now i have to do it <laughs> this is why i say like sometimes just seeing a thing is enough you know i'm not really that afraid of something becoming material and like slicing and dicing me i'm more oh afraid God. that i might accidentally see it and just not psychologically recover from that <laughs> mm. mm -hmm. it's the fact that this oh, that's horrifying cryptid creature actually now exists in the collective imagination of so many people mm -hmm. yeah and some paranormal experts believe that cryptids are, in fact, manifested into existence over time from, you know, local folklore out of that collective imagination, that collective imagining force as a mm -hmm. result of the way that our reality, and especially immaterial reality, is shaped by our thoughts and our fears mm -hmm. and the things that we want and the things that we are trying to avoid, inevitably. Um, so basically, when a lot of people think about something for a long time, it becomes real in a sense. And honestly, people <laughs> have created an entire mythology around this thing. It's very detailed. They've got stuff like, oh, it's not very fast moving, but it has the power to transfix people into a state of paralysis of fear just by briefly touching them on the leg, which at that point, it could have as much time as it needs oh, to do whatever doomed. it wants. I mean, at that point, <laughs> yeah. <I'm doomed. laughs> if something like that touched me on the leg, you sure as shit believe right. that I will be frozen in fear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So they've given it the like the amount of detail where I feel like it's a you never know type of situation at this point. Mm. And it's the mm -hmm. same kind of thing that I think about with things like that Dear David story on Twitter. That was such a good story. Where you know it's this fictional creation by someone, but then it kind of catches fire on social media and living in this information age where everybody instantly knows about everything, 
imagine the power of the collective consciousness and the collective subconscious and imagine whether we're using it for you know an interesting fascinating world or are we actually using it to create a living nightmare for ourselves that we maybe won't realize until it's too late because you know everyone is unable to sleep because they're <laughs> they're seeing the rake everywhere <laughs> <laughs> it's like an no, epidemic it's, yeah. it, it's absolutely true and i love what you're saying about like the collective unconscious because so much of um the stuff that really freaks me out now is related to that like the divot box which was turned into a very successful movie and which was essentially based on the story that this man uh who wanted to sell it on ebay <laughs> concocted to try to like you know punch it up and make it appealing and if you look on ebay for like let's say haunted dolls or haunted jewelry you will come up with a boatload of different things where people will you know tout an item as being haunted or possessed by some sort of spirit and you know there are even some listings that say buy at your own risk i don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing and you'll see that thing with like a bid on it you know and it, because people want that story they want to be a part of that uh in the collective unconscious and i think that um one of the things with the dipic box was that it was it had a sense of history that was realistic enough to make it seem like this was a genuinely like supernatural thing. And, you know, for anyone who's not familiar, the uh, Adibic is a uh, demon uh, that is especially noted for possessing, especially women, um, in Jewish mysticism and mythology. And the whole myth around the Dybbuk box, uh, which is a wine cabinet claimed to be haunted by a Dybbuk and which contained the Dybbuk, um, you know, it gained no notoriety when it was auctioned off on eBay by owner Kevin Manis, who created a story featuring uh, Holocaust survivors who were also witches and they trapped the evil that was uh, Hitler's soul into the Dybbuk box and then you know estate sale after estate sale it got passed down he had it and he opened it uh thereby unleashing this great evil and making all sorts of horrible things happen to him you know and of course other people who then became owners of the Dybbuk box said that they also had horrible things happening to them uh, accidents fires you know relatives dying getting sick yes. horrible things and then okay so this will happen in like 2003 oh. in 2012 finally Manus was able to sell his story and it became the horror film The Possession <laughs> so um None of it was really true in, you know, in the sense of 
what we mean when we say true story. But so many people felt the repercussions from owning boxes similar to this or this specific box that they created a website called dibbickbox.com oh, where they consolidated <laughs> all of the experiences from all these owners who had horrible misfortune befall them because they owned this freaking box and and there were like big names that you know had post malone the rapper claims that he had a spate of bad luck because he came into contact with the cabinet and just like tons and tons of bad things but you know as we were saying with this collective unconscious recollection actual events that may have happened maybe there were a bunch of jewish witches who locked the evil that was responsible for the holocaust in uh, a dybbuk box or maybe the fear surrounding the box generated by all of these stories being perpetuated and, and talked about on the internet resulted in some sort of self-fulfilling prophecy of like, okay, now I know everything. And we as human beings look for patterns. Now everything bad that happens to me is going to be a result of this box because that's what Mm -hmm. I read. So, I mean, that is one of the things that scares me that manifesting in and of itself can be a useful tool, but in the collective unconscious, we tend to lose uh our grasp of it and it it can sometimes take on a life of its own and just run amok and you know maybe it can actually cause things to happen maybe it's not just in the person's mind maybe it actually is taking on a supernatural life of its own it's become its own kind of golem or tulpa Mm -hmm. and it's just kind of running rampant like a thought form Uh, exactly like a thought form and that brings me to the other thing that still scares me this story which again was on reddit uh for quite a while the no sleep thread from user fable forge the three kings uh game he calls it quote unquote but it is not a game (laughs) it involves uh basically sitting with your chair which is your throne and two other chairs you're facing north and you have these other two chairs on either side of you on the left or the right and then you have these large mirrors in those chairs and you're not to look at them they're facing you so the mirrors are facing you you are in the middle of these two chairs with these two mirrors facing you and you're looking straight ahead at like the wall right you're not looking at the mirrors and you have a candle you have a fan on the candle keeping the candle alight and essentially you know, you have to pick the right time, which I think he designates as 3.30 a.m. That's when you go down and um, you essentially just wait for the messages to come from the other two chairs, which are the Wonderful. queen and their fool. Um, and the way that you position the mirrors is so that you're in this dark, windowless, room you know preferably a basement and you have these mirrors where you can and you're positioned in a way where you can see your reflection out of the periphery of your vision but you can't actually see it face to face so you're just seeing like a a shade you know something like kind of on the side and apparently 
Um, this creates something akin to the feeling that you would get from a sensory deprivation chamber, but like also confronting like the dark night of the soul and the shadow self, and like you basically get confronted by your doppelganger. And the stories that I was reading had to do with these other versions of themselves talking and all these voices displaced from their past about events from their past, things that they regretted or things that um, like the one guy was talking about how he felt responsible for his friend's death and like the voice he felt it brushing against his head but you can't turn your head because apparently something horrible even more horrible will happen and you know it basically they don't have very nice things to say to you they're basically like twisting the knife of like remorse and guilt and like self-doubt and saying like you could have helped him why didn't you help him that sort of thing so it really kind of it's again with the mirrors <laughs> yeah i was gonna say that sounds like an adult bloody mary is what yeah, that sounds like it's essentially like an adult bloody mary and it is that inner glimpse into the psyche which can be so frightening because it's like when you are alone with your thoughts alone alone those thoughts become your greatest fears and your greatest demons, you know. Um, and I think that's really what frightens me the most as an adult. That's legit. I have heard of a phenomenon where when you look into a mirror in a dark room, Mm-hmm there's like a contortion that happens of your face while your brain is like struggling to make out your own reflection on the mirror usually people will see increasingly strange or disturbing faces looking back at them and i forget what it's called i'm trying to trying to quickly look it up to put a name to the phenomenon. It's, it's termed not the, the uncanny valley, right? The Troxler effect, apparently. Oh, the Troxler effect. Yeah. So, at the very least, <laughs> that is probably happening, <laughs> which is mm-hmm. a lot For sure. on its own. Yeah. And then I can't imagine also receiving any kind of messages from the types of distorted images that I would see in a mirror in the dark. Mm. Yeah, no thanks. Myself. It's okay. I'll pass. <laughs> but, you know, if you want to try it out, we've described how, and it's Halloween. <laughs> yeah, you can find out more online. and, and Feel free to email us and let us know how oh, it Definitely went. email us, yeah. for sure. We take no responsibility for anything that happens, though. Let's just put that disclaimer out there. (laughs) (laughs) Stream it while it's happening. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) For 48 hours. In addition to spooky stories or, you know, situations that happened as children and currently as adults, we also have, obviously, scary experiences to share in honor of Samhain and the liminal season. 
Yeah, there were quite a few that I I was surprised that I could recall so many because I always feel like, oh, I haven't seen anything really. And then you start making a list and it's like, oh, <laughs> wow, that's a long <laughs> yes. list. Uh, so I picked a few of them and uh, later on we're going to have some stories that other people have graciously submitted to us but so delight Merlinite Black Tourmaline and that's a choice we're making we're saving our own lives But first, a message from our sponsors. Just kidding. We don't have any sponsors. But we do have a donation button on Red Circle if you'd like to help us afford our web hosting for the upcoming year. Or you can help support independent bookstores along with the podcast by making your next book purchase through our curated storefront on bookshop.org. Also, we're excited to announce that we'll be opening up a new shop on TeePublic with some ridiculous new paranormal, witchy, and queer empowerment designs. So be sure to like and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram for updates. And if you're enjoying this episode, consider dropping us a positive review or sharing it with a friend to help us grow our audience. We deeply appreciate your support, which helps us to ensure optimal woo-to-you content in the future. And now, back to the killing. I mean, (laughs) our regularly scheduled program. We are the process of asking for stories, I reached out to a previous partner who I knew has a lot of them, and she didn't have time to record anything for the episode, but she did remind me (laughs) about this one time when we lived in an apartment in South Philly, and I was in bed, and we had separate bedrooms. There was like her music studio and bedroom on the second floor and I had this other private bedroom because I'm strange and I need one. Um, No, let's normalize sleeping in separate rooms from your partner. You get such better quality sleep. Let's normalize that. So myself being the normal person that I am, (laughs) I had a separate (laughs) bedroom on a different floor of the house and I hadn't heard my partner come down the stairs or anything I just heard a knock on the door and the knock is one that I've heard several times on various bedroom doors that I've had and it has it sort of has like a 
like a little knock melody to it. It's always like knock 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 or you know something similar and I can never remember it when I'm trying to recall the exact rhythm but when I hear it I recognize it every time and there's never anyone there I <laughs> I heard this knock and I thought maybe you know it, it could be my partner so I, I sent a text because I was like, I don't like I don't see anyone outside the door when I open the door. So I sent this text and I I think I said, Did you just knock on my door? Like they <laughs> got my text and upon reading my text, their bedroom door actually creaked open <laughs> slightly. <laughs> immediately after that so i was like i forgot entirely about that but that's just one of the many little creepy episodes in that apartment Mm. actually um in that same apartment i was cleaning the counter and doing the dishes one day and out of nowhere there was this gigantic crash like as if an entire shelf full of like kitchen and pantry items had suddenly just smashed all over the floor. And it happened about three feet, I would say, from where I was standing. Nothing had fallen. Hmm. Uh, there was absolutely nothing going on. And at first I thought I had somehow imagined this gigantic noise. But when I looked over... When I was, like, startled and I looked over, I saw that my partner's cat, Jasper, had also been startled. And he was kind of creeping toward the spot where the noise had come from and sniffing the floor as if he was trying to figure out what had happened if there was actually a a noise and we sort of looked at each other in like acknowledgement (laughs) of like what in the actual heck is going on with the phantom crashing sound in the kitchen and actually while I was typing up the notes (laughs) this sounds ridiculous but as I was typing the notes about this experience in preparation for this episode There was a giant sound in the house. I live with my father, and there was this, like, wall-trembling impact noise. (laughs) And I heard him come out of the other room, and he said, What was that? And we were both trying to figure out, I was like, well, I didn't make the noise. And he was like, well, I didn't make the noise. And I was like, um, I was (laughs) just typing a sentence about this exact type of phenomenon. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, it's nice that you have validation though, right away from both the kitty and your dad. (laughs) (laughs) I usually do, which is, I feel more disconcerting because Mm. I'm not exactly sure like why there are these phantom 
noises. Like I've heard, hmm. you know, like people are haunted by entities and things, but I seem to be haunted by like noises of inanimate objects of times <laughs> gone by, which is interesting. Could At that it be same poltergeist. <laughs> it's possible. I feel... Of the shirts that wanted to trap you in your childhood. <laughs> but you always managed to make a successful getaway. <laughs> That's why I'm afraid of inanimate objects, because in a previous life, I had wronged a lot of them. And now <laughs> they're after me. Across the street, in that same location, one night, I was walking my dog. And... The building across the street always gave me really bad vibes. I mean, that apartment was spooky itself. There were things like uh, white mist that would just kind of like settle into the room periodically. And it wasn't coming from anywhere. It would just like the the atmosphere in the room would get all strange and mm. cloudy. Myself and my partner would look at each other and go... I was getting weird in here again. <laughs> but it's like, what do you do, you know? So one night I was across the street walking my dog and I ran into something. I've never, I've never seen anything like this before in my life. And I, I hope that I don't. I'm not really sure if it was necessarily malevolent or what but it it was disturbing i turned with my dog and i saw the profile of what appeared to be something similar to in like old medieval texts <laughs> illustrations of demons it had mm. it had those like uh backward knees like a bird mm -hmm. kind of and it had like legs for like jumping and it had a very complicated face and it had these very intense sort of like beady eyes as I <laughs> this all happened in only a couple of seconds but I I turned I saw it I saw that it was focused on something or someone else. And then I saw it jump toward whatever that destination was. <laughs> and I'll say the first thought in my mind was that it was some type of, I don't know, chaotic trickster entity. Mm. Mm -hmm. But... At the time, I wasn't as afraid as I might have been otherwise because it didn't seem like it was part of my reality. It seemed like it was part of some other realm. And it was in black and white. So it wasn't really like a black and white movie. It was like it was part of a realm that didn't actually have colors the same way that... Mm. material reality has colors you know what I mean 
or like also our brains can only perceive certain right. colors anyway so exactly and yeah. so it was just incredibly strange and otherworldly and I was glad that it wasn't looking at me it was as if it didn't notice me and I was <laughs> I was comfortable with that and yeah. yeah then I crossed the street and I went home and <laughs> that's that dang I do that's have a couple of other little stories does anyone else have any stories left yeah um did I ever tell you guys the story and I think we did this like in a um like pre-show talk about like oh visitation stories and i didn't want to tell mine did i ever actually tell yeah it on that episode? sounds i don't, I don't think i don't so. think so well i feel well we've only done two episodes <laughs> I, feel like we did a, I thought we did three no in my mind i've done very many episodes <laughs> However, we have well, only recorded a couple of them. So, again, with sleep, if it's not in the bathroom that I have problems, it's in the bedroom. And, again, <laughs> <laughs> so when I was a teenager, I do remember the one time that, and I'll never forget it because it was traumatic, the one time that I had sleep paralysis... I remember I was the tummy sleeper, I still am on occasion, and uh, I was laying down and I was waking up, it was like Saturday morning, my grandmother was in the kitchen, like across from my room, making pancakes or whatever, my mom was in her bedroom far away, and so I was like pretty much for all intents and purposes, uh, left to my doom, and there I was, you know, tummy sleeping, and I come to, and I'm like, oh, whatever, and then like I feel feet on my back like two feet and I can only see from like the corner of my eye because my head is tilted on the pillow and I can see like dark like the outside tracings of like a curvature of arms or wings or something but I felt these feet and they didn't have all of the toes that you would think that something would have. It was like three long toes. And I remember it was like piercing me. And at first, you know, it happened so fast. I'm like, is this one of the cats? Uh, but it wasn't a cat. The feet were way bigger than a cat. And I remember trying so hard to scream or say something, but I couldn't. And all I could do was just barely move my eyes just like blinking and trying to somehow send a telepathic signal to whoever was around but um it didn't work so I was like <laughs> really really freaking out and uh, so I think at that point my subconscious could not take it and I just shut down and I just held myself to sleep and hopefully when I wake up it'll be gone I woke up it was gone I don't know where it went. Maybe it jumped inside of me. 16 was a very tumultuous time. I wouldn't be surprised. But, um, <laughs> you know, wherever it went, I didn't have any more problems with it or sleep paralysis um, until later on when, you know, a gal who I didn't get on very well with had passed away. And, you know, there was 
really a feeling of like unresolved beef between us and uh and also guilt on my part so there was like a lot of like unresolved stuff and anyway (laughs) i remember i was sleeping and i had kind of an out-of-body experience because i was seeing in my dream state the bed the tv all the furnishings exactly as it is as it would be from my perspective had i been sitting on the bed looking you know conscious but i was asleep and in this uh dream state i look we had a tv at the time you know at the foot of the bed on the uh dresser and i looked up at the reflection in the tv screen and i saw this girl and she was at the the door what is that called the door frame the out the the jam the the entrance way to the bedroom (laughs) i think it's just a doorway the doorway the threshold thank you that's what it is so i looked up (laughs) and she's in the threshold and i'm like that's weird what the hell is she doing here like and i'm not liking it obviously but i'm still sleeping and dreaming so i'm like whatever and then the next time i regain that flicker of consciousness i look up again at the reflection of the tv screen now she's at the foot of the bed and she's just kind of leering at me with like her face like that like grinning and i'm just like oh shit well (laughs) now now's the time you know and so i was like in in this dream state i was like help help and all of a sudden i feel this is very similar to your story with the shirt psychia i feel my shirt story is very relatable overall it is (laughs) (laughs) the blanket was not a weighted blanket this was way before that craze hit but it felt all of a sudden like this immense tidal wave pressure and it was like warping and wrapping all around me and i couldn't get it off and it was just this crocheted thing and uh i felt like i was suffocating no, in that's this freaking like the poltergeist movie with is the, that what happened with there? the clown I arms oh. <laughs> and i remember just in my mind saying help help it's it's like drowning me in this freaking fabric oh and then i start hearing the ring of a telephone and then it trespasses you know between like the liminal state of being awake and being asleep and and that phone is ringing in reality and i realize it's jarring me out and i see my grandma's face on the cell phone screen and i'm like oh my goodness i think she just saved my life because she woke me up from whatever this this place was that i was and um and i knew that right then and there i knew this is real this is not a hallucination what i felt was real it was an out-of-body experience and i was in some sort of limbo where this ghost of this person was either playing a really cruel joke on me or kind of like teaching me a lesson or whatever the case was but um or something had assumed the persona of right there was a lot of negative energy in my life at that time so it could have been like just that energy uh Mm. taking this form and just like wreaking havoc on my psyche but you know um thank goodness for grandma 
she really saved the day that day. And uh, maybe that's why the crone resonates with me so much, because she's always out there look, looking out for me. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I if it, if it wasn't for her, it would have been curtains for me. Well, would have been covers for me. It would have <laughs> been blankets. <laughs> blankets. <laughs> yeah. And that's my story. Um. Psychia, what's going on over there? Are you looking like there's a ghost over your shoulder or something? Nothing. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's the water heater. I'm mm-hmm. in the basement. As as one chooses to be for Halloween recording sure, <laughs> sure, sure. of podcast episodes. And um generally this basement doesn't really creep me out very much, but I'm very in tuned with any kind of little noises around me, basically at all times, and it really does sound like there's <laughs> there's like an animal lapping up milk behind me periodically. Oh, gross! It's gross. <laughs> yeah, it's- my cat, Madam, like not even when she cleans herself anywhere, what humans would consider inappropriate. <laughs> Just anything that she's clean is so loud. She knows I'm talking about her. She's so loud, and it's the most <laughs> disgusting wet noises. Yeah, and Sometimes I'm just it's like, very disgusting. Why are you doing this to me? That's like when my dog he decides to clean his foot, <laughs> and it's just like the sound of him pressing saliva between his toes. And it kind of like squelching in between all of his little toe digits. That's been the scariest part of this whole night for me. You describing that. That's been the scariest part. (laughs) Yeah. I have a scary story of a thing that happened that I wasn't super sure if I was going to share. But the mood has stricken. You know, here we are. Please do. I lived for a time in an apartment that was in... Uh, An old mansion. It was built in 1870. And the building has since been, like, sectioned off to be different apartments. I think there's, like, 13 total. And each apartment has sort of, like, a section or, like, a grand room or something that was part of the original mansion. And then there's, like, a little bit of additions and things built on to make it a little more functional. But um, the room that... Uh, we had was the billiard room which was outstanding and if you check out my instagram wisteria underscore actius i have loads of pictures there because it was absolutely amazing but anyway i digress um the scary part comes in is that oh also before i go any further let me throw out an additional content warning because i didn't think I was going to tell this story, so it wasn't included in the original content warning, but there is uh, mention of sexual assault in my story. So just as a warning there, fast forward a bit. This is sort of toward the end-ish, probably, of the episode, such that for most people, if they want to avoid that topic, they can listen to most of the episode. Yes, yes. It's a feature that we had intended to provide yeah. in this it was Halloween on purpose episode. planning the outline and everything <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay so there was a 
um, masculine entity that I think is honestly like still attached to that apartment. I don't think that I succeeded in a permanent removal, but I certainly let him know that I'm not to be effed with. I've cursed so many times. Why did I censor myself there? Anyway, (laughs) so the first time I noticed this entity, I was in the grand room. Oh, I guess layout, here we go. So this, this grand room with this amazing like molding on the ceilings and mahogany walls and you know it's like 14 feet high and like chevron style flooring we our bedroom was attached to that room it used to be the like conservatory but now converted into like a standard room so our bedroom was just attached to the grand you know billiard room and there, we had this lamp that was like right next to the doorway between the two rooms. And the first time I ever noticed this entity, I was bending over to turn on a light. I was trying to remember to turn on a light. And I got such a strong sense that someone had just walked behind me and checked out my ass that I turned around smiling, expecting my husband to be there, and there was nothing. But it was so, like, I would have bet every dime I had that my husband had just looked at my ass, but no one was there. And when you know, um, you know. Yeah, yeah. You, you sometimes know? Yeah. you never know, but other times you know. Yeah, sometimes you do know. Um, so that was like my first experience with this thing and my timeline is a little dodgy at this point but the other experiences I had were you know I had been exercising and I came home and I was laying in bed and I found myself like drifting into a other state I will say and I got a very distinct vision of a young man in a 1920s like suit with the building that I was in but it was before the conservatory was built there were these two big windows where essentially the closet is in the bedroom and I had a vision of this man attacking a woman some sort of you know maid type character Downton Abbey etc And, like, I had, like, this very clear vision of that. And, uh, obviously that was, like, very startling. And I didn't, at that point, like, I didn't put too much together. (laughs) But then the next time where I would just, like, wake up and my attention is absolutely at this doorway from room to room. And seeing this black shadow just, like slam over to the end of the bed like I didn't physically feel it but just how fast it moved it was nuts and like so you know I think that's when I started to put two and two together of like this entity is this young man whose violence and horror has hung out you know and the event that occurred that caused me to like seek outside help and like make some major moves aside from the usual of like smoke cleansing and sound cleansing and all of the various cleansings one can do was it's pretty messed up okay i was asleep i woke up masturbating which is weird 
we it all has do happened it. to me. It's fine. It, it has happened to me before, but like honestly, every time I try to think about it, I'm pretty sure it's like entity related. It's which unusual is... to to wake up that way. Mm. Yeah, right. it's well, like at minimum, it is a symptom of like parasomnia issues, akin to sleep paralysis or um, walking in your sleep. So I woke up masturbating. And I looked over in the doorway and saw the figure and it quickly came to the end of the bed. And just like all of these stories, it happened so fast, but essentially this entity had donned the mask of my husband. Oh no, no. <laughs> it was like loose skin on a, on a, on a skeleton, you know, like, it, like his oh, eye sockets like were empty and suit. sagging. <laughs> Oh yes, God. it was very like suity. <laughs> yes, but like empty socket eyes and empty mouth. So like in that way, it was a little more Coraline-y, you oh. know. Um, <laughs> and so like that face was like slinking up my body to me. Oh, no. That's not okay. sexy. No. Please. And when it, like, really hovered over me, it just sort of poofed into this, like, mist. It just sort of poofed. So at that point, I was like, this has gone too far. <laughs> um, and I went to my local witch shop, which is called Into the Mist in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. If you're ever around, it's a cute little shop. And these uh, these lovely individuals who run and own the shop are extremely helpful, kind people. And when I explained to them my situation, they were like, oh, shit, you know? They gave me a mixture of their own concoction of banishing incense. And, you know, I just went to town in my bedroom. And I, I started off with, like, a sound cleansing. And I have when I cleanse a space, I could tell when there's like residual stuff because whatever hand is holding the tool, like I'll get goosebumps and things. And mm -hmm. so, you know, over my bed, obviously like my husband's side, totally fine. My side, not fine. <laughs> and then just this doorway where this entity always is and in the space where I had the vision, but is now a closet. So I was clearing the room and at this point I was using this incense and I was commanding this thing to get the hell out of here. And there's also a door to the outside, like the actual outside in my bedroom. And I had the door open and when I got to the doorway, I felt again that I was like in another experience of reality and I was just like sort of stuck there and my whole front of my body got goosebumpy and I was commanding it to leave and the smoke from the incense took on like a silhouette of a man and then I was like get the hell out of here and I watched it sort of vacuum out of the doorway wow. into the outside and that was like pretty dang cool and, uh, you know, I did catch some whispers of him every now and again, but I made it pretty clear that he wasn't going to mess with me. Yeah, unless he wants to get whisked again. Yeah. Buster. A solid whisking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
a firm whiskey. Um, yeah, I would say that's like my most intense and, you know, spirits willing ever. The most intense ever. Like, I don't want to get more intense than that. Please. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a no please from me. Sure. What about you, Sister Celine? What's your what number uh, well, would you be holding up? That that was really my most intense encounter, um, <laughs> and I hope that it doesn't happen again. Because after that, I actually went to see a local witch as well. Um, <laughs> at the time, I was a little bit of a witchling. I wasn't really, you know, into my own practice you know i had always dabbled and read but i wasn't at the point where i felt confident enough to do any kind of banishment without some advice and so this lady had me go to the botanica nearby and i bought you know cascaria and i had to bathe in that and i had to say all sorts of different bible verses <laughs> which was very strange and um I had to dress in like white for a week and but you know I think that for lack of language that I had in terms of my own like magical ability at the time it gave me a template to follow and the template mm. was good enough yeah and a and I felt like template yeah I felt like we did that and all of the residue between us uh, if that was in fact her and not just the energy, or even if it was the emotional manifestation of the icky feelings between us it was like settled. And we both, you know, just kind of made our peace with our, our parts in it, uh, in that drama. But, uh, I really hope that I don't have to go through that again, but it was a wake up call. It really did help me mm. learn a lot more about being careful with manifesting and really kind of like not letting my emotions dominate me and um also kind of like seeing the other person's point of view so i would say there was mm. a lesson there and i think for you it was a lesson in also establishing your territory and showing this yeah. asshole like yeah. you know you're not gonna get your way i don't care if you're not alive or whatever it is that you are and you yeah. think you can just, you have a free license to do whatever, not on my watch, <laughs> you know? So Damn straight. Um, yeah, I think, I think sometimes these stories, you know, we come out the other way and we're stronger and savvier for all of mm. the, the trouble we went through. Hopefully. I, that's the hope. Yeah. Although yeah. I wouldn't want to repeat it. I think Absolutely. what doesn't kill you doesn't necessarily make you stronger, but it does make you more experienced. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I have one about Washington Square Park in Philadelphia, where mm. Wisteria and I used to work at a chiropractic office together. And we did see some things in that in and around that office, but this one time in particular that kind of threw me was the day that I was walking to work in the morning. It was about a 45-minute walk, and as I turned the corner on 7th Street 
to actually enter Washington Square Park, suddenly everything sort of phased into the past. Mm. And it was a very strange feeling, but when I looked ahead, all of a sudden, there was a dirt path, there were like very few buildings there in the vicinity there were a lot more trees and it was just a very weird blip in time i felt like i had walked into the past and then it sort of faded and went back to normal within a couple of seconds the interesting thing about that area is that Washington Square Park used to be a potter's field, and a potter's field is basically a cemetery for unclaimed dead bodies, like people who die they're from out of town, or maybe they don't have the social status required to be recognizable to anyone, and so they'll the very people... I think also it happens in wars and battles and things, but... And also, um, oh my god, <laughs> brains. What's this thing? Pandemics. Pandemics also. And <laughs> Yeah, and also during epidemics and things like that, for sure. So Washington Square Park is just a real strange area, and that is not the only kind of fragmented time phasing type of experience that I've had on the property. I know that Wisteria and I have both seen legs in that chiropractic office, just walking down the hallway, just legs. Um, yeah. And one time, didn't you say they appeared to be your own legs? Which um, I don't remember. triply oh, weird. Yes. <laughs> Not yes. just doubly, but triply, triply strange. Um, yes, I do remember that now. Yeah. And I have another story about Philadelphia. May I briefly yes. point out that the friend's apartment that I was talking about with the horrible basement was literally around the corner from Washington wow. Square Park. I'm not mm. surprised, honestly. I wonder <laughs> how many people have had bizarro experiences in Washington Square Park Probably a lot. I think probably a lot of them. Anywho, one time <laughs> I was sitting with my friend on part of the Skolkel River Trail near the Mütter Museum. It's sort of this nice, this nice spot that's like further down from all of the city noise and things. And there's water, and you can sit at a bench and just look at the pretty lights on the water and we were eating chipotle <laughs> <laughs> and in the middle of a conversation this glowing object this appeared to be a living thing so it just something with wings flew down about eye level with us kind of flapped its wings open once there was a bright green light and then it flew away and when it happened 
I looked at <laughs> my friend and I said, was that? Um, and I think he said like, yep. <laughs> yep. And we just kept looking forward eating our Chipotle. But just to prove that I'm not making it up, I <laughs> texted him the other day to say, hey, do you remember that thing we saw? And he said, oh, that bat thing? Jeez, <laughs> what was that? <laughs> <laughs> um, and as far as, like, commentary, he basically said he doesn't have any because it was, like, too confusing <laughs> to try to figure out what like how to define that experience and for my final story I'm gonna dig all the way back to my early 22 year old days when I was driving a long commute to go train at a Lowe's store for a store that was opening in the area where I was living at the time and Actually, it was New Year's Day, because retail employees don't get holidays off, and I was coming down the part of Route 15 that goes into, I'm not really sure what the intersection is called, but it's like right before Lafayette Village, basically. If anyone is in this area Mm -hmm. and knows what I'm talking about, and that's quite a dangerous intersection in the wintertime because there is, you know, several rows of traffic on every side. And there was a patch of ice when I was coming down. It's like a hill also. So as I approached the intersection, I realized that my brakes were not going to work. And I was kind of at the mercy of whoever was coming the other way in the intersection um, because I had a red light and I didn't know (laughs) if anyone else was paying attention because you can't ever really know if anyone else is paying attention on the roads of America, at least. And Mm. luckily the person, (laughs) the person to my left just I they like made eye contact with me and they had this like horrified expression like are you really sliding on the ice to your death right now and (laughs) my expression was kind of like yes I think I'm sliding on the ice toward my own demise and then um (laughs) my car kind of finally stopped in the middle of the intersection and no one hit me and I got out of there as quick as I could And then as I left the intersection, I passed a couple of houses. In between the houses, (laughs) when I glanced to my right, there was a huge kind of brown, shaggy, alien-looking wolf creature that turned its head and looked at me. It turned its head to the left and looked at me and it had these long legs these long just bizarre kind of gaunt like it was it was like emaciated a little bit sort of and it had these like really abnormally long legs and 
that's how I knew that it was not a dog and it was not a coyote of any kind. <laughs> it was some some type of strange, you know, like a harbinger of mm. of death. Of my narrowly escaped doom. Yes. Yeah. Basically. And I think I found that more interesting than terrifying at the time, but it was sort of almost like confirmation mm. about what happened. Like confirmation that something faded had almost occurred to me. Mm. I wonder too if, uh, you know, near death experiences, I mean, I imagine that they would, but, you know, you're so heightened by adrenaline and like all of your senses get heightened when you're in that kind of like, oh, I'm about to die state. Even if you're like very calm, you know, all of these things are still happening. And yeah. I could see that raising a level of awareness about other realms and energies and things like that, leading you to be able to see something that, you know, was there, but Probably. in other circumstances, you wouldn't see it. Well, I think that's like, uh, even in fiction and in folklore and a lot of other different traditions, you know, there are certain times where you hit that liminal state and you can see things that, uh, you wouldn't, you wouldn't usually be able to see, um, when you're, you know, I, I know in, I think, what is it, in Twin Peaks, David Lynch says, you know, he has his character say, like, the only people who could see Bob the demon are like the gifted or the damned. And right. with like yeah. banshees, you know, you only hear their wail when someone near you is about to croak. So it's like, so I think that, yeah, you, you probably did see something that was coming to collect you or, right. <laughs> or something that was like, uh, definitely indicative one way or the other of, of something imminent that was going to happen the only other thought that i've had about that is you know if there are certain entities associated with a variety of calamities you know mm -hmm. did that dog <laughs> did that dog thing bring calamity into my life briefly and it didn't succeed and mm. yeah I didn't get really that uh, ominous of a vibe from it beyond the fact that it just looked completely abnormal and, and otherworldly and not like a real, a real dog. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And now it's time for other people's stories. <laughs> Which I almost can't believe. I feel like we have so many stories. It's just an avalanche of stories. I spoke with my father, who told me that my great aunt actually used to talk about the spirits in her house. And he told me a story that I didn't know about her, which is that one day... He and my aunt were both walking to go get the mail in the neighborhood. This was a long time ago when they both lived in the same town. 
and by the time they got back with the mail, which was only like about three minutes after they had left her kitchen, they came back, and on the previously completely empty clean counter of her house, there was a single paper cup now sitting in the middle of the countertop, and there was no one home that huh. day. There, there weren't... She didn't even have, according to my dad's memory, paper cups in her house. <laughs> and so it was just this completely bizarre sort of confirmation that there were, in fact, things happening. Because I guess a lot of people in the family just sort of, like, rolled their eyes at her... Mm commentary about the, as she called them, the spirits. Mm. And so another story from my father is the one about the Michelin tire man shaped tickle entity. When my father... Oh my god. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, when my father was very young, he distinctly recalls possibly numerous occasions on which a strange marshmallowy looking person would come into his room and tickle him and there didn't seem to be any other agenda it was just i'm gonna tickle you until you laugh huh and he would tell his mother about the tickle man and she would just kind of dismiss it as silly like you you must have been dreaming you must have been you're such a silly boy um (laughs) but the completely bizarre appearance of this thing and also the fact that it like wanted to tickle people is just (laughs) a weird combination of things that i find really fascinating and (laughs) i wonder if anyone else has ever seen like michelin man type entities because there's there's one there's like the stay puffed marshmallow man in the ghostbusters movie and i always Mm, think about mm -hmm. that like it's not really scary but like in some contexts it is i mean if you saw that coming at you and he wanted to tickle you in the middle of the night and you didn't let him in through the door (laughs) you'd be pretty scared i'd be scared i'm 35 and i still be scared scared. (laughs) uh At some point, either before or after that, during his childhood, my father also would have possibly like a sleep paralysis type situation where the room would kind of darken and take on a red hue and then shadow figures would start appearing Mm. and one would always lower itself toward him in bed. Uh. The next story (laughs) is a story sent in by my friend Jared. And I'm just going to read it because he sent me the long-form version of the story. I was nine. It was 1993. My baby sister was perhaps six months old, and my mother and stepfather had moved her from sleeping in their room to sleeping in my six-year-old sister's room in a crib. The crib was up against a wall that was fairly thin and separated their room from my room. 
our rooms were basically identical side by side, with the entrances at the opposite corners. It's as if the rooms were mirrored over that adjacent wall between us. I slept in a bunk bed that had been modified to have a long dresser underneath it, so my mattress was a little over four feet from the ground, with no open space below it. My bed was right up against that shared wall. One night, my baby sister wakes up crying, as six-month-olds oft do, I suppose. My being just on the other side of the wall means her crying wakes me as well. I'm facing the wall as I am awakened, and it's perhaps a minute or so of her crying before I hear the master bedroom door open and my stepfather's loud pounding footsteps as he travels through the living room towards her room. I hear him enter and start attempting to comfort her. So I roll onto my other side to get comfortable. There's something standing there a foot and a half away from my face staring at me. It could have been floating there. Whatever it was, its head was at my body level a little over four feet up from the floor. The only way I was able to see it was because of an illuminated fish tank just outside the entrance to my sister's room, casting its glow across the living room and around the corner into my room. The glow wasn't enough to light it up completely, but I could certainly make out the outline of its round head and some sort of facial features. Half of the face was visible. Where its right eye should have been was either the darkness of its eye or the shadow cast from an eye socket on the rest of its face. I could barely make out what I thought could have been a mouth because the light just wasn't penetrating far enough into the room. It had no hair. The skin was light enough that I could see that it was bald. I was completely frozen. I had the sound of my baby sister and stepfather interacting behind me and this thing in front of me staring me right in the face. I was convinced if I moved a muscle or made a sound, I was dead. The whole time, I was trying my hardest to convince myself that I wasn't seeing what I was seeing. It didn't move. I didn't move. Time ticked by. My heart was pounding. Flight or fight response going haywire. Baby sister calms down and I hear my stepfather's loud footsteps pound away. Master bedroom door shuts. The only sound now is the fish tank filter from around the corner. I'm trapped in a stare down. 10 minutes go by and my baby sister wakes again and the episode repeats itself and this thing hasn't moved. I haven't moved. My heart is actively trying to beat its way up through my throat. There was a combination of relief and dread that came over me as my stepfather was so close dealing with my baby sister, relief that there was an adult nearby, and dread that this entire time I was in fact awake and not dreaming this entity in my room. Baby sister stopped crying. Stepfather pounds his feet across the house again. Hello fish tank filter sound. At this point my baby sister doesn't wake again. I had been staring at this thing for another 15 minutes or so when I made the decision to slowly turn back towards the wall and proceed to cry myself to sleep. The next morning, nothing was there, of course. I went to school, came home and did my homework like every other day. The night I got ready for bed, 
shut the light out, laid there facing away from the wall, waiting for my mother and stepfather to retire. Upon their turning off the living room light and closing the master bedroom door behind them, the glow of the fish tank allowed me to see the shelves on the wall across from my bed, shelves that were blocked from my vision the night before. Mm-mm. So, having talked about uh, the rake and how it's mostly seen in the state of New York, which is where my friend is from, and having him describe mm. a bald thing with big hollow eye sockets that just stares at him while he's in his bed i asked him (laughs) i actually asked him have you heard have you heard of the rake his response was yes but i hadn't made that connection before and i said you're welcome (laughs) (laughs) so that's that Well, that's real creepy that portion of our evening and I think, do we only have one more story left? Yeah, I think so. Okay, everyone. Prepare yourselves. Here we go. So, when I was in my 20s, my friend and I were traveling cross-country, and we were going from east to west, and we were in the state of Nevada. We weren't in Las Vegas, we were north of that on Route 80, and I, or like just off of 80, and there's this little town that was called like Little Silver or something like that. I honestly, I can't remember, but we were driving on, like I said, 80, it was a highway, and as we're driving, these lights like come out of like kind of by the mountain that was to my right. And I was on the passenger side. So all of a sudden I look and I'm very confused (laughs) because like the, the, the source of the lights was clearly on a country road. So I was confused as to why these lights were keeping with my friend and I when we were easily going like 80 or 90 miles an hour on a highway. And it was weird because they seemed to keep up to speed with us for quite a while. And then out of nowhere, they just disappeared. And I don't really remember what happened after that, but the next day... We checked into a hotel later that night, and then the next day when we got up in the morning, um, I said to him, I said, Punta, because that that's my nickname for him. Anyway, I said to him, Punta, like, what was that last night? And he was like, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> and I was like, no, no, pull out the map, because this was pre-navigation like system, so we actually used, like, one of those like books that are roadmaps essentially. Um, so I was like, plot the map and the stretch of road that we were on, like between the two towns should have been like a mile. And yet we were driving on it for like over an hour. I remember seeing the time change when I like was able to look at the clock again. And very, 
very weird. And then for the longest time after that, like electronics would constantly malfunction around me and stuff like that. And I am completely convinced that I was abducted just because, um, like after that, there's, there's a total lapse of time, which if you like look into things that people say after post-abduction, it's like, like sections of time just go missing. And there's also a suggestion that they can like kind of loop your, um, your memory in a way so that time seems to stand still, which it very much did. So, (laughs) um, kind of a weird experience. Um, and I don't really like, it's weird because I don't really have a very clear way to explain it except for that's what happened to me. And, uh, I mean, I kind of wish I could remember what happened when I was up there, but in my head, I'm like, maybe they'll come back and abduct me again. Who knows? (laughs) Well, that was a submission from Juno Lux of Three Witch Way. And wow, we didn't have any alien stories. I have one. I so I have a UFO story and I will make it brief, but it was Halloween actually. My brother and I were trick or treating and we grew up in the middle of the woods. So like in order to get to where there was a collection of houses at the end of a dead end street, there was probably like a half a mile of walking of no light, nothing, like just woods and swamp and We were both walking. We weren't saying anything because we were just like, you know, rearing to get that candy. And uh, it was one of those unseasonably warm or like used to be unseasonably warm Halloweens. And, you know, so there were still like frogs and crickets chirping as I'm passing this like swampy area. They were very loud. It was also like a crystal clear night. And essentially, my brother and I are walking. I can see him out of the peripheral vision pretty clearly. We both stop at the exact same time. And I realize that all of the sound has stopped. Like, there's no more crickets. There's no more frogs. Like, nothing is is making a sound. And we both just look up together. Like, I could see him look up with me. And what I... My brother says he remembers a V of lights... What I really distinctly remember is this blackness covering like tree line to tree line on either side of the road. And this straight line of blackness slowly passing overhead, revealing the stars as it passed over. And we both looked at each other and we kept walking. We didn't say a word about it. It wasn't even out of like shock or fear or awe. It was it was nothing. There was absolutely no response in my brain. I do remember like coming home and being like, oh my God, we saw a UFO telling my mom, but then like literally never talking about it for like 15 years. And with what Juno said, and like a lot of people with these types of experiences, one of a very commonly reported thing is the fact that they didn't even talk about it. Like it didn't, it wasn't something that either they wanted to or did talk about for way later, which is like pretty kooky. Yeah. Makes you wonder if maybe the extraterrestrial, that's part of what they 
did <laughs> was some sort of like, um, you know, like non-disclosure agreement. It's like a mind. <laughs> <laughs> For a lack mind of a better control. term. Yeah, maybe. Non-disclosure agreement. Yeah. <laughs> you will forget and you will not repeat what happens here today. <laughs> it is really funny. It is a non-disclosure agreement. Yeah. But um, that story, actually, that Juno told you, this is just a really quick story. Reminds me of a time I was going down Clinton Road with my friend uh, Liz, and I remember the two of us. Uh, Clinton Road is notoriously haunted and has, like, bad vibes and everything. I think Weird New Jersey did a special. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we didn't necessarily... We didn't encounter a spirit, per se, but it was more like a presence. Um, first of all, the night was pretty clear, and then all of a sudden, as soon as we get to Clinton Road, there's this blanket of fog that's just like making it very difficult to see in front of us. And we're driving or whatever, and it feels like it's taking forever. Um, and as we're driving, we had been having a nice time, we had gone shopping or what have you. All of a sudden, both of us were reporting this sense of like existential dread and just like this empathic wave of, of, of depression and just dismal kind of like, just kind of like malaise, I guess, washed over us. And it kept going until we were off of Clinton Road and we were in this mundane town on our way to where I had to drop her off. And all of a sudden, it was like right before we got up Clinton Road that the fog seemed to dissipate. And I remember that Juno's story reminded me, because it was the opposite for us, that instead of like the time um, being this, you know, hour long journey on one mile of road, for us it was the opposite, where it felt like we were on this road forever. But really, mm. only like two minutes had passed. And it was like, that can't be right. Like, did time stand still? What happened? But I think there are these kind of like li- little like uh, nexuses, nexi of, <laughs> you know, energy where time is just like, for whatever reason, it doesn't seem to flow correctly. And uh, I think that we experienced a pocket of that going down Clinton Road. And I think that's what leads other people to feel they have all of these encounters on that road as well, because there's something mm. yeah. there that is just off. Yeah, like like in Washington Square Park, where mm-hmm. mm. it just seems like the fragments of time and things that have happened kind of get confused for some reason. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I think, actually, Sister Celine, you and I had a similar experience in that mm-hmm. one area on our way back from Philadelphia that one time. Yes! Yes, of. yes, yes! Yep. <laughs> that strange area. What was it? Yeah. Was it Old York Road or something? It was something like that, and we were driving on it forever, and then we, <laughs> we never knew where we were going but then somehow we managed to get back to where we were and it was just 
extremely unsettling the whole time for some reason. There were just vibes happening. You know what it felt like? It felt like one of those, like, pretend towns, almost, (laughs) that, like, somebody threw together, like, the government or something, Mm -hmm. because it's like, they're covering up something that happened here, and it's like... facade and then underneath this sort of insidious undertone to everything yeah exactly and um yeah i find that usually it's at night when these things happen the time on clinton road was at night the time with you was at night and it was like night night like early morning night overlapping and that's when we get to the witching hour which is you know traditionally i think 3 a.m And we reach that state of liminality where there is this thinning of the veils. And you do feel like certain vibes which are oppressive. And you can feel it. It's so palpable. Like when you're even in your car driving and you drive through an area. It's like once we were out of that area, the tone completely shifted. Um, And that's just really like... I mean, energy is real. You can feel energy. You can feel vibes. Like you said, you know, Wisteria, about catching vibes, being creepy. Yeah. It sure is. Well, I mean, I hope everyone's enjoyed this sitting of the veil and this opening of the door between worlds, between experiences. We shared a lot of stories here today. We've learned a lot. (laughs) <laughs> and we've even uh, made m- made a few friends. And no. we've learned and about a lot of things we hope we don't ever actually interact <laughs> with ever, ever. That's right. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I haven't made any friends <laughs> during this during this episode myself. Well, I'm making friends. I'm learning to make friends again with Pee Wee Herman. And giving him another good. chance, and yeah, also good. Ernest. I'm glad. So, I, 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 that's what I got from this, and um, <laughs> and also just that you know, the more things seem different for you and for me, but no, because you know we've all had situations that leave you scratching your head, saying. Well, what the hell was that? (laughs) What the hell? Right. (laughs) And you never know. Sometimes you You never know. But for the most part, you don't. Especially in the spooky season. Mm. So thanks for listening. And as always, but especially this Halloween, beware and be well. Beware and be well. Beware and be well. I don't care if you're not alive or whatever. It must be Halloween! I just saw full moon! Let me try that again. <laughs> <laughs> or just leave it. Are we ready How to get into this? the episode? Is this good enough for a podcast episode? Are we done yet? I think we're finished. <laughs> Let me just say. So, like, I thought this whole episode was supposed to be kind of lighthearted and, like, not horrifying. 
Celine's shirt is like so dazzling. I can't. I have to take a snack I know. break. I can't focus. Look at that. It's so such a good shirt. I know. Shot. I fucking love it. Wait, let me do another one. I'll help you. I'll help your head. Okay. Good evening. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's spooky out. Get on some chapstick, cause chapstick's spooky. Oh, okay. Oh. Light source right. Well, I was, I was doing this all via oil lamp. Oh my god. So, okay, sorry, hold on. <laughs> I wish I had gotten dry roasted peanuts from my Whole Foods order, but now it's coming to me. It starts with an H. Herb. Oh. Herb burrito. Like. Like. Her burrito possessive burrito. Hello, hello. Right now, everyone talking. Oh yeah, everyone talking right now. Everybody talking. Got a little naked lady statue over there. Here's my question. How long is this episode? We've been recording. Bye, It's doing that honestly. I don't. I don't understand what it's doing. Am I hitting the wrong? Weird. I'm hitting record so that I can make. Please. Please. Please stop doing that. Okay. Is it only a four-second recording? I'm hitting record. It's like I'm in the twilight zone. <laughs>